Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Property is a longer term game, not like the shares we can get in and out in five minutes. That's the, and that's not a limiting belief system. What it does is it helps you in the early days get through the tough times. You don't give up so easily because you've got a longer-term approach. And then secondly to that, be very clear on what you want to achieve. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode on Property Investory, we continue the conversation with property developer Brendan Ansell. He will speak about the importance of focusing on the long term as you continue to build and also predict the future of your success. So let's listen and delve into it. To strengthen his mindset around property, Ansel sought specific resources to help him. Read a lot of books, a lot of, um, you know, when I was running the finance company, instead of listening to the radio and music, I would constantly listen to personal development style CDs and that, that stuff just to absorbs into you. And a lot of it can be Americanized, but you can pick and choose. But, you know, you can listen to a whole CD set and you only need two ideas, one or two ideas that can help you get to the next level. So... You know, it might be a, a educational course on sales or something like that. And, you know, during listening to that, I'd pick up one idea, then I'd get to the next appointment and apply it and, and you know, get better at what I was doing. So, like I said earlier, it's what you do in your spare time. Uh, I mean, and conversely, there's, there's no shortage of people in the world who learn lots of things and don't apply it. But, you know, it's a big percentage. So, you haven't actually learned it then. You've just read some words on a page and, and skipped on. In terms of mentors, he doesn't put too much emphasis on their presence in his journey. Now, anyone can be a, a mentor. I don't. I don't see. I don't like to put people up on this pedestal that they have everything covered in life. I don't think that's possible. We we always have something to work on, whether it's our fitness, our relationship, you know, parenting, our work. There's always something to work on. So to put a human being too high up on a pedestal and say he's perfect, I want to emulate his life. I don't seek to do that. I, want, I still want to do my own thing. So I've only I've only take I've only gone for a mentor only in a purely a professional sense. Um, a very ethical man, but very different, you know, um, lifestyles. And because I also look at him and go, he works too much. There's no life balance. Um, so I don't, I don't want that. I do want an aspect of life balance and, and I have a seven-year-old son so it's important that we, I don't just perpetuate a story of having a massively successful father that you never saw. 
you know, for him. So, so it's you know a little bit of balance in there. Although, although balance doesn't gel well with fast uh, success. <laughs> Ironically, the power of focus is what does it. So balance for me is is periods of intense focus to create results quickly, balancing with periods of you know a bit of relaxation and pulling back, as opposed to just taking your seven days and dividing up between leisure and work. I don't do that. When there's key per, key pivotal moments, you go hard at work, and yeah, your family might not see you for days, but then you balance you balance that up with we take a big holiday every year, must go overseas. I'll make it big. You know, we've got a year for five, six weeks. We enjoy ourselves. We're going to have to get this this year for a lengthy period. So it's a different kind of balance. While turning to books to help hone his personal development has proven valuable, Ansel prefers hands-on experience over things you can read in a book. I think books and that are excellent for concepts, ideas and mindset. I've never really found a decent property book for the specific reason that they're too generic and it's very hard. There's lots of different property markets all over the world, countries and then individually within a city. So to write a property book specifically, and I actually find them quite dull. So my style has been to use education in books for personal development and then and then learn on the street, which has been the most value for me. And when we hire staff, we have people come in with the most fancy resumes and tremendous university degrees. Uh, in property, you've got to be street smart. You know, you can't you can't learn that stuff from a book. You've got to be on the street because negotiation. You know, how do you you know live negotiation on a property is very intuitive sometimes. So it's not a um, cerebral exercise. The best advice he has ever received is related to maintaining his mindset by surrounding himself with successful people rather than the chicken littles of the world. My property mentor has no filter. He has no limiting belief systems. He believes he can create something extraordinarily massive and he has. So um, just that that think big and if I had to pick a couple of key, key points, I mean they're not so much advice that people have given me other than ideas of concepts I've adopted, be very, very careful who you spend your time with. As an old saying, if you want to see your future, have a look at your immediate peer group. You know, if you're still hanging around with your mates from uni who are not going anywhere, that's your future. If you if you want to increase your future and a better future, you need to get around better people because you just absorb their energy and their thought patterns, whether you so, you know, and then when you're starting out and you have dreams and you're trying to build, there's plenty of chicken littles out there who will, you know, uh, knock your dreams. And and, and, and Australia still has a, a, an issue with the tall poppy syndrome. I think the societal syndrome that is very limiting for us as a country to help us move forward to the next stage. You know, we need to, we need to be celebrating success more. And, and helping people who are successful because, you know, we pay a lot of taxes. As a developer, Enzo has built many high-end luxury properties for investors and owner-occupiers. However, this is just the outcome. So, how did he achieve this? Before you even get to that, it helps you get to your journey faster by having as much clarity 
as you can on what you're trying to do. So before we even get to build anything or select a site, we've applied um, very much a, an economic thought process to our company. So what I mean by that is we're studying, we're studying economic trends and demographic trends consistently on a daily basis and then formulate our, our strategy after that. Thankfully, that's then coincided with you know, a market style of project. So we're an aging population. Um, we have a very wealthy set of population in empty nesters and baby boomers who have been fortunate that through the majority of their working life they've not had a recession. So the stats show that non, the baby boomer Baby boomers account for about 9 or 10% of the population, yet they hold 60% of the wealth in Australia. That's a massively just distorted statistic. So we take that statistical analysis and go, where's Australia going in the future? I have certain thought patterns based on my, you know, and we have uh, one of my other mentors and, and consultants is actually a, uh, a, bit, a bit of a, a futurist and... Um, trained uh, analysis style person that come from a uh, a managed fund background. So, you know, we're, we're doing a little bit of future prediction here. So we've modelled all our entire business around that set of demographics and thought patterns and also what's happening in the future. So we are, we are experiencing a massive shift. Um, we will experience a massive shift in the next 20 years of baby boomers moving out of large homes into apartments and townhomes. For the eventuality that the worst case scenario happens, Ansel and his team do have an exit strategy. So our strategy is instead of doing excessively large projects of 100 to 200 units, um, we're doing lots of smaller boutique projects, projects between sort of 15 and 50 million in gross value and numbers between sort of 15 and, and 40 apartments. So we're, minute, we're using a risk minimization strategy of diversification, spreading across lots of projects, not one massive big, you know, all out project, which is the complete opposite of my mentor, to be honest. But he has a higher risk profile than I do. It's, he's all or nothing. So. I'm not prepared to take that risk from our shareholders. So no, it's not a negative question. It's something we need to ask ourselves. You know, what happens if one project goes pear-shaped? Well, we have plenty of others, and they spread and they spread around the state. So, and then we we can make the decision when we start construction as well. Now, the other thing I try to try and do is have cheap land prices, expensive builds. You push your risk to the back end of a project. You know. A four million dollar purchase on land, twenty million dollar build, not a fifteen million dollar purchase on land, fifteen million dollar build, because your risk is, is brought forward. So if we purchase a site for say three or four million dollars, and we borrow you know fifty percent from a bank, we can let it sit there for five years. It's not going to stress us. So we can pick and choose when we go. So we'll start selling, and if we just don't sell anything, we won't start construction. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of little things you can learn and, and do to minimise that. But being aware of risk and, and asking these questions is, is intelligent. 
you know, the, the build and hope they come mentality is, is, uh, is very risky. He also conducts feasibility studies to determine where to purchase and build as well as focusing on the design of a home with the customer in mind. So we're a little bit more cautious on, on Brisbane. But even then when we buy a site, we try and diversify the product on there as well. So we've got a site in Turinga in Brisbane, uh, which is a you know, real upmarket inner city suburb in the western suburbs near the universities, near all the private schools. And then we've got a 4,500 square metre site on a hilltop in one of the best streets in that suburb. So instead of doing 50 apartments, we're, we're mixing up the product, houses, townhouses and uh, apartments so, and having differing price points. So as a buyer inquiry comes in, you can move them between the different products or, or give them options. That's really smart. How did you come up with, with, a, with something like that? Because, you know, like you've obviously done a feasibility study and, and found out what the what the suburb is and, and so forth. But how did you know that, okay, these are the kind of the products to be offered to potential buyers? Look, from a design perspective, I get heavily involved in the architectural side. It, that's very much a passion of mine. Designing someone's home and why they want to live there. Um, so the product mix is, is a number of different factors. The topography of the land, what's surrounding the site. And the reality of the site was that it's on a hilltop but slopes down a little bit. And at the top of the hill, we've got three $4 million houses on the ridge. At the bottom of the hill, we've got six $700,000 apartments. So we've followed the topography of the land and the style of the suburb to make sense, hoping that Brisbane City Council would support us and see the rationale. But unfortunately, we don't get, we don't get any support from, from our local councils. They miss the point completely. So it took us, took us 14 months to get that approval. Wow. So I had the option there of just scrapping it and starting again, but we held sway. I said, no, no, this is the right strategy. And we, we went to court and we won. It, it sounds like there's a lot of persistency <laughs> to, to actually get through all this. Well, the, well, the irony is we, we paid 5.7 for the site and had an offer of eight. Do you know how hard it is to say no to that offer? When everybody is telling you to bail, but we sat there and went, no, this, this, this product, once I get it through, has a strong profit margin and it's great for our branding and the suburb needs it. So sometimes there's a fine line between being pig-headed and stubborn. Coming up after the break, we'll discover Ansel's advice for listeners who are just starting out in property. Give yourself a break in the short term about how quickly you can receive results. Take a 10-year approach. Because when you do, you get massive results in the last two to three years. What he's excited about now in his property journey? We've achieved something fairly significant in a short space of time. So I need to, I need to raise that ceiling and, and reset. So I'm still in that process. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Hey, podcast listeners. I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary, details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now back to the show. In 
Entering into property development 20 years ago, it took Ansel hard work and persistence to achieve success. So, what is his advice for people who are just starting out in property? Place more emphasis on the medium to long term and less emphasis on the short term. Give yourself a break in the short term about how quickly you can receive results. Take a 10-year approach because when you do, you get massive results in the last two to three years. It's about building momentum, so give yourself a break. So when I, when I came back from London, I sat down and wrote out my goal list. I'm arriving back, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I want to have 10 properties in the next you know, uh, five to six years. And then nothing happened for the first three or four years. Mass frustration. Until you know, until some people give you some perspective, they're like, "Hang on, mate. you've only been going for three years, and you're trying to increase a, you know, create a portfolio of ten to fifteen properties. That's, that's a big ask." I go, "Yeah." So you can be ambitious, but just layer it with, you know, property is a longer term game. It's not like the shares we can get in and out in five minutes. That's the, and that's not a limiting belief system. What it does is it helps you in the early days get through the tough times. You don't give up so easily because you've got a longer-term approach. And then secondly to that, be very clear on what you want to achieve. What is, what is your primary reason for getting into property? Do you love your job and it's a, it's a side investment to build wealth for your family? Great. Do that. Don't confuse it with wanting to get into property full-time because very few people do it successfully. If property is your primary passion and you want to get into it, then go do it. But understand that the first few years will be hard as you build and grow. I love that. But I think a lot of people pile into the property game full-time for the love of money first and the game second. It's way harder because when you're not getting the financial results, it's harder to get out of bed in the morning and motivate yourself because you're primary. And there's nothing wrong with the primary motivation being big money. I don't, I'm not making a comparison there. Just understand that that um, you know your, your reasoning for doing things, and um, yeah, and just tempering it with short, medium, and long-term thinking. Although he does not attribute any particular personal habits to his success, he does believe in the importance of running your own journey. I would say I'm a more of an intuitive person, and I, and I feel I feel in the moment and time of what actions and courses to, to take that is I'm more of a present person my thinking I don't think about the past and I'm not that much of a future thinker I can think I think three to five years out but I can't I know that I know that goes against what I said earlier about short medium long term um, that's more when you're starting out when you get to you know some reasonable level of stability or success um, yeah now I'm I'm uh, the words winging it came to mind, but that's not a, that's not, that doesn't sound like a, I've got it under control. But uh, no, that's just yeah, run, run your own journey, you know, go and, go and find out what works for yourself and go do that. Now, Enzo is most excited about improving Velocity Property Group to make it the best it can be for his clients. I'm in that phase where I need to reset. I need to reset higher goals because we've achieved something fairly significant in a short space of time. So I need to, I need to raise that ceiling and, and reset. So I'm still in that process. Yeah, you know, do we do we want to become one of the best small boutique property companies in Australia, or do we want to be the biggest? Um, 
the challenge I see with the biggest guys in the country is they have a big machine to feed, so they have to keep doing deals. And they have to spread. They have to go do deals that don't match their original ethos just to make money, to feed a machine. So if I had to make a statement, it would be become the greatest property company in Australia, not the biggest or the most profitable. Something that our something that our shareholders are massively proud to be a part of, and we make great returns for them. But it's, but they also see what we're doing. Um, we're doing a lot of other stuff as well. I'm actively trying to get all our projects and construction and our, and our developments off grid to be a leader in that space and to find wealthy buyers who connect with that vision as well and will help us pay for it. So you know some of our projects we're spending. Eight nine hundred thousand dollars per unit on the build, but we're actually spending eight fifty because of all the energy saving devices and everything we put in. It's very hard to get someone to share that cost with you because they have a set budget and they go, "That's all I want to pay for a property." So we're we're new in that cycle. Um, I think everybody has the intention of wanting to help the environment and, and make and um, you know do their part. They just don't want to pay for it. So, if he met himself from 10 years ago, what would he say? I'd probably say, do it earlier. Like, even though our journey has been quick, I had the skill set to start and do it earlier. I just didn't, I didn't catch up with the bleachers. You know, be careful who you spend your time with, which, which I did that. I've, I've had a weeding out process over the last 10 years. And secondly, don't worry so much about how you're perceived. I think a large part of our behavior on a daily basis is to appease other people or, or concerned about how we're seen, you know, in business and life. Just be yourself and go for it. Unless you're an arsehole, in which case, don't accentuate that. <laughs> if you'd like to connect with Ansel, you can do so through his website at velocitypropertygroup.com.au. Probably the best way, I would say, is just contact us probably through our website and we'll probably find your way to uh, my PA who, um, yeah, happy to give little bits of time here and there where I can. Obviously, I'm pretty short on time some days. So I'm happy to, it's all part of a giving back. I'm more than welcome to do what I can to to help where I can. I just need, or if they make a donation to my charity, they'll go straight off the list. (laughs) We've... um, we're part of a charitable organisation where we've, we've built some orphanage in Nepal and that. So, um, I tend to invest my own personal money in social-style ventures and businesses. So we own half of a, a natural earth-building company in Nepal where a gentleman who's an architect and a builder has a uh, pay-it-forward philosophy, which was he, after the earthquakes, you know, a large portion of the country was damaged. So uh, the business model is he goes into villages uses the villagers and their labour to, to help him build the first house and then leaves them the blueprint on how to do it themselves using natural earth materials. No construction, no concrete, no steel. Thank you to Brendan Ansell, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Brendan Ansel and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, 
You can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.